This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm Executive Platform's Head of Content and Research. My guest today is Robbie Friedman. He has a law degree from the University of Michigan and worked as a lawyer for a few years before starting up a business that was designed to bring better transparency and communication to the attorney-client relationship. He sold that company after a while, and he is now the co-founder and CEO of Ootbox, an organization that takes shipping containers and turns them into movable, temporary, and beautiful workspaces that can be set up anywhere. Ootbox has been featured on Shark Tank, The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, The New York Times, and Architectural Digest, and today we're going to talk about it here on the Blueprint Podcast, too. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Happy to be here this morning. Before we get too far into things, I want to give our listeners a little context about a big change happening to this podcast channel, and today's interview is part of that change. Uh, A lot of people have probably noticed we have started posting two episodes a week. Uh, I have not said this on the podcast yet, but we're going to be broadening and deepening the content listeners can look forward to from the Blueprint. Uh, We're still going to be interviewing participants and contributors to Executive Platforms events, but I also want to talk to all sorts of people who are also relevant to our network of business leaders uh, who you don't get to hear from on one of our conference room stages or exhibition hall floors. I think Robbie is a great example of this. He's an entrepreneur who has started a couple of businesses and has a great track record of listening to his customers and building products the market needs. Uh, In this interview, I hope we can talk about things that will be of interest to our manufacturing audience, our supply chain audience, our finance audience, our HR audience, our sustainability audience, maybe even our food and pharmaceutical audiences as well. Good business sense, customer centricity, and flexible working environments are all great content, no matter what industry you find yourself in, right? I know Robbie's story and experience is going to be one more great way to connect and engage with business leaders of all backgrounds. So with that introduction out of the way, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Are we ready to get into things, Robbie? Yeah, let's do it, Jeff. Why don't we start off by talking about Viewabill, the company you founded uh, to help lawyers and their clients communicate more transparently and effectively. What is the story behind that idea? So a couple of years ago, when I was practicing law, um, I had a client who I probably didn't trust that much to pay me when I sent my invoices. And so what I started doing was I started giving him daily updates, everything that happened in the hours that we spent. And what I found was that he was paying his bills when he knew what I was working on. And that actually turned into a relationship between the two of us where we started this company, Viewabill, which exposed work in progress time to the client from the law firm, keeping both lawyer and attorney on the same page during the entire engagement. And um, sounds like a transparency slash spy tool that clients get on their law firms. But really what it does is it makes sure that client and attorney are aligned during the entire engagement, increasing the you know, realization and billable time for the lawyer, not just a spy tool for the for the customer. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't even think of it as a spy tool. I would think it's communicating with your your customer what you're doing and what they're being billed for, which, you know, that's not just a, a legal thing. That applies across all kinds of industries. L- lawyers are touchy when you ask them to see their work in progress. That That's fair. So what did building a customer-centric business like that teach you about listening and understanding what people want? On one hand, it was easy because I had been a lawyer and I had been a customer of, of, you know, legal services before. So a a lot of it was based on what I wanted. And actually, a lot of what I do is based on what I want, which is not the best way to go about things. But what we found in terms of, you know, how to understand, you know, a customer facing business is, is we realized that the way to sell it is not necessarily 
the way you would think. And the way we sold the business really drove at the heart of the attorney-client relationship. So what we did was we charged the law firms to provide the transparency in order to empower the clients to demand it. And it was like a crazy way to do this, but it was the only way to infiltrate that industry, given the nature of the attorney-client relationship. Because you know, otherwise the client wouldn't feel comfortable getting all their law firms on board if the law firms weren't involved. Absolutely. Now, eventually the time did come to sell that business. Did you know at that time that Ootbox was going to be the next big thing for you? What did the journey from Viewabill to Ootbox look like? So as we were selling uh, Viewabill, my wife and I had our first daughter and I needed a place to work outside of the office because the office that we were working in with Viewabill at the time was an open space, you know, collaborative type space. But there's a lot of conversations happening during a, a, an acquisition process that you can't have in front of your whole team. So with a new baby at home and, you know, some sensitive discussions happening at the office, I needed a place to work. So I you know, bought a drill and walked around Lowe's and just like found cool things to buy and used all that to build myself a backyard office to work in. And that was sort of the start of this idea of backyard offices, movable offices, temporary offices, because shortly thereafter we moved. And, um, you know, a lot of my neighbors were like, are you taking your skate pod with you? But my wife, who's an architect, her line was always, you know, it's a little bit like Ikea furniture. You can technically move it, but you don't want to. It's never going to be the same again once you move that, you know, (laughs) that book rack. So with that, the idea of a short-term but beautiful space was born. And no, you know, it wasn't like a, I didn't know right away that I would transition from one to the other, but um, it, it happened sort of organically. And, um, you know, it was certainly a change in life to go from like legal services to playing with shipping containers. I love that your wife was part of this and that it actually came from a backyard DIY project. I I had no idea. Um, I am curious, you know, why was Ootbox the right idea to pursue? You had a lot of options at the time. You know, what was it about the idea that speaks to you and how is it serving the marketplace differently than some of the other options out there? So, I mean, I don't know if it's the right idea, right? I guess you only know in, in the last chapter what was right, what was wrong. But what I do know is that at the time, once the idea struck, I could not stop thinking about it. I was pacing around my house, twirling my hair for like 24-7 for about a week, not sleeping, just thinking about this idea. And when you find something that you can't stop thinking about, that's a good thing to do, you know, for better or worse. At least at least it's interesting to you. And what's different about Ootbox, so Ootbox has sort of grown from this concept of backyard office space to really we're, we're more B2B than B2C. In, in reality, because what we found is that, you know, there are 500,000 construction trailers spread throughout the United States right now. And construction trailers, if you've, been, if you've ever been in one, are terrible experiences. And so similar to Ootboxes, they've got the portability aspect. They have, you know, similar dimensions. And what our boxes have become is really just a very customer-centric, beautiful, inspiring space version 
of construction trailers. You know, that's probably an oversimplification, but in reality, our customers are choosing us over construction trailers. Can you tell us a little about the sustainability side of all this? The containers are being upcycled. The materials in them are sustainable. The footprint of temporary workspace is kept small. When did you know that was going to be an important part of what you were doing? And how have your customers responded to it? So it's always been an important part of what we're doing. You know, the the most sustainable building is one that's already there. Construction is very wasteful. And so by using these materials and these things that are already there, there's millions of containers already in the States, already in Canada. And by using these elements, you know, we're able to have a very small footprint with zero construction, you know, zero big truck pouring big things. And, um, you know, the materials that we use are all sourced locally to the extent that we can. And at the end of a box, when we build a box, our pile of waste is, you know, smaller than two feet by four feet. And so, you know, just the very nature of the product is sustainable. And the very nature of sort of leasing is sustainable because not only are we reusing materials, but we're reusing the same product in different applications over and over and over again. And and the leasing component is a fundamental part of how our business works versus like backyard sheds that get constructed on site. What else have your customers asked for when it comes to Ootbox? Uh, Has any of that surprised you? Yeah, I mean, somebody asked for a box for orgies. And okay, so how do you go about changing (laughs) your existing product to do that? So, you know, no windows, for example. That's, that's a new thing for us because normally we put as much glass in these products as we can because, you know, you want a container to feel not like a container. And that is impacted by the amount of glass that you use. So a box where private, very private, maybe not so private things are happening inside, you know, not having glass is certainly a different design element that really changes the entire thing. We, we also recently built a box, a 40-foot sauna, off-grid sauna. Again, totally different because all of a sudden you're using, you know, the, the last thing you want inside a container space is moisture. And now we're talking about something that's very moist. Right. Um, people have crazy, amazing ideas, and they just don't know how to bring it to life. And what we're able to do is to take these ideas and make beautiful things given, given the needs. That's great. Now, your product is built upon shipping containers that you can then deliver pretty much anywhere. Uh, can you tell us a little about the logistics side of your business? Yes, the, the logistics side is actually probably the most difficult part of running a company like Ootbox because we deliver them all over, all over the U.S., you know, even to Canada sometimes. And... Um, you're dealing with not only supply chain issues that everybody's dealing with these days, and particularly as it relates to containers. So the logistics of getting a container is a lot more difficult than people might think, even though they're all over the place. They're not all over the place at you, right? So you have to get it to you. And that's a challenge. And then we build them fine. But then we have a customer who wants to lease a box in Portland, Oregon. That's, I don't know, 4,000 miles from us. Getting that box on a truck to the customer 
being able to service that if something goes wrong, being able to pick that box up when it's done, and all of our operations and all of our, all of our construction is happening in Columbus, Ohio. So as a small startup, being able to manage hundreds of assets across the country is a learning experience every single day. And I don't really know how we do it, except for just a lot of grittiness and continuous customer connection. You, you mentioned sort of as a, a young company, I guess you're about three years in. What are some of your plans and goals for the future? So our plans and goals for the future, you know, first of all, there's a saying, you know, man plans, God laughs or whatever, whatever that saying is. And I, I know that's a terrible thing for a startup CEO to say, but the reality is being born during COVID, you realize that planning only has so much value. You need a vision and then, you know, you figure out how to get there. So our vision is to have boxes all over the country that people can rent as easily as they rent a U-Haul. And that requires a ton of logistics, a ton of product, a ton of um, relationships and partnerships. But we've proven it on a small scale so far. And now it's a matter of scaling up and hopefully no more pandemic, no more fun things like that. That's, that's going to derail everything we know to be true. You know, I, I certainly am not uh, hoping for a further pandemic either, but I have to think you know, the, the work from anywhere, work from home, a distributed workforce, hybrid workforce model has been uh, a great boon for, for your business. Yeah, so we had started prototyping these boxes in about January of 2019. And when we had a couple of prototypes out there and, you know, we were telling people what they were doing, that you can have a box, you can have a workspace at home but not in your home. And people thought we were out of our minds. You know, well, if I'm at home, then I might as well be in my home. And what happened in, you know, March of that year and and for the next couple of years thereafter was that people realized that being at home without being in the home is a necessary part of work life these days. Obviously, our business has pivoted a little bit to B2B, but in terms of the concept, Everybody now gets it, whereas before, very few people understood the why of what we were doing. Before I let you go, Robbie, I I do want to ask about Shark Tank. I I think that caught my attention when I was on your website. What was that experience like? So, you know, when, when you're in the startup world and when you're running a startup, a lot of it comes down to, like, the experiences you get to have as a startup founder. Because... Nobody knows if you're going to be successful or not, but you're putting your all in and it's just about the experiences. And in terms of that, you know, being on Shark Tank is a once in a lifetime startup experience that very few people get to have. For us, um, you know, we are not a, a Shark Tank typical product. We're not a thing that you go online and buy for $50, $100. And so we were very surprised when they approached us. But you know, I guess the one thing I could say that people are, are most surprised about is that the sharks are actually very nice in real life. The experience is very comfortable. There's, it's just not as stressful as people think when they watch the show. And, um, you know, we, we took a lot from it. We made a deal on, on the show and, 
yeah, it's just one of those experiences that you put in your pocket and you use as an icebreaker for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So, you know, you say the thing that surprises people most is that they're nice. While you were talking, the thing that surprised me, the show approached you. I would have thought uh, startups would be pitching the show. I, I think it goes both ways. But yeah, they approached us. I, I believe they saw us in a New York Times article and approached us. And, and then there's, there's a process where, you know, you have to submit videos and I'm a terrible actor. And, and my co-founder, Allison, is also a terrible actor. You know, it was it was the whole thing was just really fun as we practiced together and you know, a lot of alcohol on Sundays so that we could learn our lines. Yeah, it was, it was just really great experience. Absolutely. Um, I want to be respectful of your time here. I've got one more question that I am trying to ask more and more people who do interviews on the podcast, um, and it's about leadership. Uh, I think, you know, whether you're uh, an entrepreneurial CEO or the C-suite executive of a Fortune 500 company, everybody has leadership in common. It's a, it's a universal. Uh, and so what I want to ask, is there a leader, and you don't need to name any names, that you have worked for or with at some point in your career who has shaped how you lead people, how you lead your organization? What did you take away from them? What was that experience like? Um, talk to us a little bit about someone who inspires you. So I think I take a little bit of something from a lot of people. You know, at, at the end of the day, I am who I am and I'm different than other people. Everybody has a slightly different way. But I think, um, you know, what I see in common with good leaders is that they are who they are and they're genuine. They're not always perfect. I mean, you know, my team will tell you all the time that they don't like me most of the time, probably. But, you know, I am who I am and I just have to be true to myself and consistent. And that's what I try to do. Um, that's what I've seen in the best leaders who I've worked with. It's a tough question because I don't know that I see myself as a leader. Well, I, I think every time I ask it, I get a, a different answer and there is no wrong answer because it is your experience with it. So I, I thank you very much for it. Just before we let you go, I, I should actually give you a chance to promote your business. If somebody wants to learn more about Ootbox, what is the best way to do that? Sure. You know, visit our website at www.get bootbox.com that's g-e-t-o-o-t-b-o-x.com uh Ootbox stands for out of the box and is also a play on my sometimes canadian accent but yeah check us out there and we'll help you get started you know i should actually ask just before i let you go are you canadian i know you're based in columbus ohio so i was i lived in canada till i was eight i was born in canada toronto then obviously went back to school there my wife's from toronto so it's in me, but I don't think it's in me very much, although people say sometimes I have that. <laughs> okay, well, I will let you go. Uh, it has been so wonderful talking to you today, Robbie, and uh, good luck with everything you're doing. Jeff, thanks so much. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon. Mm -hmm.